Time to get inspired, develop and improve your yoga knowledge in English. You listen to Your Yoga in English, a podcast for non-native English-speaking yogis that want to practice or teach yoga worldwide. My name is Annie, the founder of Enga Unite, and here to guide you on your way to become the confident, effective and knowledgeable English-speaking yogi you want to be. We're going to speak about 10 categories of yoga words, so vocabulary, that you need to know when you want to teach yoga in English. And I think it's very beneficial as well for people that want to learn how to teach in a foreign language. So both of these categories are, well, all of the categories are useful for either teaching in English or teaching in another foreign language. So yoga vocabulary, yoga vocabulary, and especially vocabulary that we use in our classes, teaching asana. So for those that teach asana classes, Hang on, stay with me because this is going to be a very, very interesting and useful training for you. So the most common challenge that I see the students that we work with, but also the people in our community and especially those in our group on Facebook, the most common challenge that they have is that they don't know the right vocabulary to cue their classes or cue their students effectively. So they deal with a very common misconception of believing that it's necessary to have a proficient level of English to teach. So in this training, I'm going to speak to you about 10 categories of yogic words, yogic vocabulary that you need to know to teach with confidence and clarity. That's to say that if you know these words, if you know all of the words that belong to those categories, it doesn't mean you need to be fluent. It doesn't mean that you have to have a proficient level of English or write formal English letters, write formal business for business purposes. This is really to teach asana. So how fluent do you then really need to be? That's a question I often get. How fluent do I really need to be to teach yoga in English? So Enga's team, so myself, the people I work with, we are English language teachers and yoga teachers. So of course, our aim is to teach our students to speak English for yoga as perfectly as possible. And with perfect, I don't mean without mistakes, without sounding like they come from another country, so without an accent, but really in a way that's clear, effective, accessible and inclusive. When I speak about speaking perfectly, I often see that our students overthink their language use, their vocabulary knowledge, or that they are trying to translate every word that they use in the first language that they teach in as precisely as can be in the language that they want to teach in. And for most of you here, that's English. So the problem with direct translation is that words, phrases, expressions, all of these terms, they simply have another association or connotation in the language that you want to actually use it. So direct translations is one of the first things that I will tell you to unlearn, but it's not the purpose of this blog. 
If you want to know about how to translate and how to translate effectively, check out our blog or check out our online training. So it's in the Facebook group or on our podcast, Your Yoga and English podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And look for why it's a bad idea to translate your scripts. That's the title of the training and explain everything about why you shouldn't translate and think of your own words instead. So this training really focuses on the reassurance for you that your English doesn't have to be perfect in order to teach amazingly. So some facts, some facts. And if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen this before. Around the world, there are 527 million people that are native or bilingual speakers and use English as their first language or one of their first languages. In return, there are 1.5 billion people. So we spoke about million for native speakers, but 1.5 billion people that are English learners like you, like people in the community, like those here on Instagram. So there's a lot more learners than there are actually native speakers. With that, I want to say that there are way more English learners who have English as their second or third or fourth or fifth language. And that also means that there's a lot of variation and imperfection is inevitable. All right. So in the training, in our challenge, the three-day challenge that's on the 1st to the 3rd of July, I'm going to speak about accents and how to embrace it, how to improve it. But I just want to point out here that it's inevitable to sound a little bit different from time to time, mostly because English is a language that's widely spoken all over the world. And we often tend to compare it to British or American accents, where really English is used in many, many, many different ways, many different accents, many different expressions spread out over regions and provinces, <laughs> different ways. All right. So your fluency obviously comes with speaking smoothly, clearly and effectively, but it's not the main requirement to teach yoga in English. Now, how many words then do you need to know? If you don't have to be fluent, how many words do you need to know? So the common framework of reference for language describes that the tasks, performance and expectations and language skills needed for each level that are different depending on the type of exam that you're doing. They say that to pass a regular exam, like the Cambridge exams, IELTS, TOEFL, a beginner knows about 2,500 words, so 2,500. An advanced to proficient speaker knows about 10,000 words, all right? But think of yourself in the context of yoga. Your aim as a yoga teacher is not to pass a language exam. There's no one that you need to prove your level of English to. The language skills that you need for teaching yoga are completely different. And it really depends on the context of your classes, the services that you offer, and your professional goals. So think of yogis that are starting yoga and the language that you need for that. The language that you need for people that are beginners or just starting yoga, haven't practiced much or haven't got much experience, 
Often these classes focus on the body, anatomy, alignment, all of the basic stuff, right? Then if you teach yoga for mental health, for example, your classes tend to focus more in, on emotional and mental fluctuations, on well-being, on the way that we speak to ourselves. So the language that you need for those two types of services is completely different as well. So instead of learning classroom English, going to general English classes, general English meetups or language exchanges, I need you to reflect on the language that you need for the types of services that you want to offer. So then focus your learning on the language that you need to present your offerings, to present your services in the most effective and clear way as possible. All right. So remember, I spoke about the type of language and vocabulary you need for your specific field in yoga. This also refers to your teaching style. So if you are a teacher that loves to speak about alignment and give detailed instructions, educate your students on anatomy, for example, it may be clear already that the language that you use focuses on words to do with directions, with anatomy, with the human body. But if you're more of a motivational speaker, a spiritual leader, into speaking about your emotions, your language learning will focus much more on the body and mind connection, on adjectives that describe the body and mind, but also characteristics, personalities, metaphors, phrasal verbs, quotes, whatever you want to add into your classes. If you don't know what your style is, on Instagram, go to the link in my bio to find the quiz, what's your style of teaching voice. On Facebook, you can find it in the Facebook group as well, so that you can find out the language that you need according to the style that you teach in. All right? So become very clear on your teaching voice first, and then have a look at the vocabulary categories that I'm going to share with you right now. All right? So take the quiz, go to the link in my bio, or find it in the Facebook group, and listen, because I've got your 10 categories here. Let's have a look. 10 categories of yogic words that you need to know about to teach with confidence and clarity. Number one, number one of the 10 categories, asana names in English. And I think that might be a bit obvious, but it's the very first thing you need to know. So the language used in English yoga classes is universal. There are synonyms, there are other options, and it varies from teachers to place to country, the continent. But generally speaking, the asana names in English yoga classes are the same or very similar. So no matter how fluent you are, knowing the asana names is the very first thing that will help you to teach your class more confidently. Even if you don't know how to cue an asana, so how to get your students into the position using verbs and words that describe direction, the name only will give your students a great deal of information of what you expect them to do. So if you don't know them already, make learning asana names your number one priority, because that means that you can teach asana all around the world because the asana names are universal. They're used everywhere. Like I said, synonyms and options, other options there are, but usually, generally, most of the time, the names are the same. So category one, 
asana names in English. Then number two, language for movement. Now, language for movement is quite a broad category. When teaching asana, you want to be able to guide your students from point A to point B. And to do that, you need cues and instructions that are clear and easily understood. Especially if your classes are dynamic or fast-paced, like for example, in Ashtanga, in Vinyasa, Power Yoga, even Kundalini, you want to use as little words as possible because the more you say, the more chances you have that your students get distracted. So fewer words, little words, a little amount of words help your students to straight away react to what you're saying. So they listen and they follow your guidance in the same moment. So language for movement, I said it's a broad category, but this includes verbs, prepositions, nouns, and adjectives that describe directions. So you will use these to guide your sequences, to communicate direction and position, but also alignment to describe the alignment. Yeah, so that's the second category, language for movement. The third category is body parts. So the third category of all of these categories that we can study are the body parts. First of all, general body parts. So general body parts are like hands, feet, your legs, your arms, elbows. These are the common everyday words that we use to describe the body. And these are the common words as well that you usually learn in an English class when you first start learning. It's also what most English speakers learn from a young age. So they know exactly what you're speaking about. So general body parts, they refer to the areas of the body. Now, if you are, according to the quiz that we have, if you are an instructional leader, or if you take a very anatomical or medical approach, it's wise to inform yourself as well on the bones, joints, muscles, tissues, the ligaments, tendons, and organs. Organs, especially if you teach yin, and you teach yin according to the meridians. All right, so body parts is the third category. And within that category, I'd like to distinguish general anatomy or general body parts and the anatomy, speaking about joints, muscles, tissues, ligaments, tendons, and organs. All right, third category. Number four, physical sensations. Physical sensations to help you to guide your students dive deeper into really feeling what they feel in their yoga class. And it can be when they come into their, when they arrive, it can be in an asana, it can be after maybe a peak pose. So it really helps you to guide your students into a deeper experience or deeper understanding of their body. So our sensations really are the things that we feel in the body, but often find hard to describe because we don't have that knowledge or because we haven't really felt it before, probably have felt it, but not consciously paid attention to how it feels. So some sensations are pleasant, some are not so enjoyable, some are even irritating or painful. And it's especially necessary to know about these physical sensations, how to describe them 
If you have people coming to class that suffer from injuries, physical conditions, if you help people maybe deal with trauma or process trauma. So physical sensations, they help you to help your students becoming aware of what they possibly feel, could feel, or are feeling right now and what their experience is of that sensation. Like, can they name it? Can they describe it? Can they find variations if they don't like it, for example? So it's really to help you dive deeper. The fifth category, is that right? Yeah, fifth category are adjectives. So adjectives are words that describe or say something about a person, the body, hair, skin, emotions, characteristics, personality, or relationships. So appropriate use of adjectives is extremely beneficial if you want to speak about certain things in more detail. And just as knowing how to speak about physical sensations, adjectives really allow you to help your students to go deeper into their practice, take them deeper into their personal development, but teaching them to take their practice not only on the mat, but also off the mat. So adjectives really complete your sequence. So adjectives that really help you to get your students dive deeper into their practice, not take their practice only on the mat, but also off the mat. Then we've got ethics. Now, ethics, you will know because you've studied the yamas and the yamas, or you've studied the sutras and the eight limbs of yoga. So ethics relate to morals, values, and principles that define a person's thoughts, beliefs, and behavior. Now, learning vocabulary to do with the ethics greatly helps you to teach your students about the philosophy and lifestyle of yoga, including the yamas and the niyamas. So your ability to speak about them accurately introduces your students to something more than just asana, which in return, as well as for physical sensations and adjectives, helps them to dive deeper into their practice, but also into their spirituality, their personal development, and sense of their self. So the purpose of who they are, what they want to share with the world, and what they are here to do, really, So ethics don't have a specific word sort. It doesn't mean they're just adjectives or verbs or nouns. They really vary. So it can be nouns, it can be a verb, it can be an adjective, an adverb, phrasal verbs, right? So there's a lot of different word sorts that belong to the ethics, but they really help you to introduce the philosophy and the lifestyle of yoga. Then... Category number seven, the language of mindfulness. Just as speaking about the ethics and the philosophy and the lifestyle, to complete your classes, we want to also introduce your students to mindfulness. So mindful language opens up a whole new world. It's obvious that you want your students to move, think, act, react, and behave mindfully, But describing this without becoming too repetitive or feeling stuck using the exact words can be very challenging. It can be very challenging to describe how to be mindful 
without consciously learning the language that you need to describe mindful movements or actions or behavior. So it's really key for you to as well learn how to speak about mindfulness and everything that comes with that. So the category of language for mindfulness includes idiomatic phrases, expressions, metaphors, quotes, and motivational types of language as well. All right. So category seven, language for mindfulness. Then we've got equipment. Number eight, equipment. So equipment in the field of yoga is another word for props and attributes. So props and attributes, I'm pretty sure you've seen it before. And I really mean here blocks, straps, bolsters, pillows, cushions, everything that we use, all of the attributes, objects that we use in the yoga classes. Now, you may find that there are other words for the same thing. And this depends on the place or who you're teaching. So especially if you want to ensure an accessible and inclusive learning environment, you're very likely to also include props in your yoga classes. So that means that you need to learn these terms to increase your ability to accurately describe these objects and how to use them. Because you will come across them in almost every yoga setting. And if you're not able to speak about them, you're really losing your opportunity here to make your classes more accessible and inclusive and help your students to get into their practice by finding what is right or what feels good for them. So equipment slash props or objects. Then one of the most important ones that I find, and I think it usually comes a little bit further into your practice, is it usually comes up a little bit later because it's a little bit more advanced. But it's really important. And it's one of the things that I strive for with the people that are taking our courses as well. And it's outdated language. So listen very carefully. Speaking in an accessible and inclusive way also means that you know which words, cues and terms are outdated and have accurate synonyms and alternatives for them. So outdated language or outdated cues are instructions that include words that you no longer want to use because it's inappropriate, it's not effective, Maybe it's even offending, but certainly not inclusive. So it's really important to understand why some things are so wrong. So you don't have to take the risk of offending anyone or excluding anyone, or maybe even activate trauma or cause traumatic events in your classes. So inclusivity and accessibility are a responsibility of a yoga teacher. It's really important that we pay attention to the way that we speak and the types of words that we use, depending on who's in front of you. And that can depend on an individual or personal experience, but also has a lot to do with the country they come from and other languages they speak. So for now, become aware of the negative associations and connotations that some words may have or some cues may have, because they might not have a bad reputation for you now, especially if you not have no personal experience with these words, 
But I do advise that you're thinking about your word choice very, 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 very carefully, considering what it means to others. Yeah. So outdated language is a must. Category nine. The very last category, very, very last category is the business of yoga. So the business of yoga is especially if you want to teach online or if you're working self-employed. So if you're teaching for yourself, you've got your own class schedule, your own courses, your own retreats, you're self-employed and you've got your own business, you need to know about the business of yoga as well. So this really speaks to how to grow your clientele, create offerings and sell your offerings with success. So the vocabulary of the business of yoga includes marketing, content, design, people, services, money. There's a lot of things that come with it. And there's a lot of language that, again, you don't learn in your general English yoga classes. So you may ask yourself right now, where do I start? <laughs> how do I find the right resources to actually learn this vocabulary? Right. And how do I learn this vocabulary when I do have the right resources? So for you, I've got a three step plan that you can start with right now today, especially for the purpose of learning vocabulary, because you've asked for it so many times. We've designed the yoga vocabulary builder for multilingual yoga teachers that want to learn the right words, cues, phrases, outdated language to make themselves better understood and guide their students with confidence, clarity, but also compassion. So in the vocabulary builder, you will be equipped with language that deals with all of these 10 categories of yoga words that you should know, as well as video training to help you optimize your learning techniques. So the video training will help you to understand your learning style, to choose memorization techniques that really work for you personally and practice everything in a practical way and with other people that are on the course. But to get started, very first thing you need to do is to take the English grammar and yoga vocabulary test. It's a free level test that will give you insight into what you already know, but most of all, what you have to improve. So... The link as well is in my bio, I believe. I'm going to link to it in the Facebook group. So take the English grammar and yoga vocabulary test to find out about your level, find out what you need to improve. And then afterwards, you can sign up to the yoga vocabulary builder, which is a course. And I want to say two more things about that. The course is going to be launched in a month. Is it a month? No. Two months from now. So from the 1st till the 3rd of July, we've got a free challenge that will help you with all of these things. And then afterwards, you can buy the bundle. So we've got the Find Your Voice in English and Yoga Vocabulary Builder together for you as a bundle. So if you want to know more about that, keep tuning in. Keep tuning in here on Instagram and on Facebook. Take the quiz, what's my style of teaching voice? Then take the other quiz to find out about your English level right now and send me a message if you want to know more about this. All right. Just quickly to summarize, how fluent do you really need to be? 
you don't have to be that fluent. You don't have to speak like a native and you certainly don't have to have a proficient level of English. You just want to be able to speak with clarity, with confidence and compassion. Now, how many words do you need to know? The number is not important. It all depends on the types of services that you want to offer and the types of people that you're working with. So your the purpose and the goals that you have for your teaching career, right? So then the categories were the 10 categories, asana names in English, language for movement, body parts, physical sensations, adjectives, ethics, the language for mindfulness, equipment, outdated language, and the business of yoga. Right, so those are the categories. Right now, take the quizzes. What's my style of teaching voice? And the English grammar and yoga vocabulary test. And then keep tuning in with me every Wednesday, 4 p.m. CEST. So that's European time, because we're going to be here every week for a live training to find out more about the way that you can improve your style, develop your personal style, your authentic voice, and also your vocabulary. All right. I hope this was useful. Have a great rest of your day. Sending lots of love. You listen to Your Yoga in English brought to you by Enga Unite, a unique online learning platform for non-native English-speaking yogis. If you liked what you learned today, I would love for you to leave a review. Don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Enga Unite. Join the community and become a member of the Teach Yoga in English support group. Check out our continuing education membership that offers you the chance to develop your skills and expertise through self-paced learning and live classes and training. If you want help understanding what you need to improve and create an action plan to achieve the goals that you have for your career as an international yoga teacher, book a free discovery call with me, Annie. You can find all the links in the show notes. This is your time to invest time in your personal and professional development.